Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are talking about Raiders of the Scar and no, no, wait. Today we are talking about Indiana Bad Batch and the Heart of the Mount. No? Actually, it's a Bad Batch episode that looks an awful lot like a video game, but really is a Bad Batch episode, I promise. Season 2, Episode 5. It's a fun adventure, and we've decided to have two guests on today, both of whom will introduce themselves in just a moment, right after this commercial break, that if it's not about archaeology in some way, someone's doing something wrong. Welcome back, folks. I'm Matthew, your host. Uh, I have to say, as someone who primarily hosts podcasts, which are audio, every now and then does streaming, which is video, um, I really have, but, but mostly is doing podcasts, which you're mostly just listening to, and someone who loves telling jokes, but always worries that no one likes the jokes, that both of my guests were laughing quite a bit at the comments, but they both did all they could to not make any noise. Um, which is great radio, I have to tell you, but here we are. So let me introduce my first guest, uh, who is now laughing quite again. Uh, AJ, uh, Jedi Starkiller, has done great things. He's been a guest on this podcast a couple of times before. Uh, a great content creator on TikTok, which is where I found him. He also does streaming. Uh, AJ, how are we doing today? <laughs> I am doing well, Matthew. Thank you again for having me on. It is always a pleasure. Um, it's especially a pleasure to talk about something that I really enjoyed today in today's episode of The Bad Batch. Um, and yeah, I was trying my best not to laugh. I didn't want to ruin any recordings, but that intro was <laughs> chef's kiss. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's great, too, because my normal host for a lot of this is Paul Hoppy, who I think appreciated my brand of humor when we first became friends before Aaron was born uh, back in high school, uh, but has just heard my jokes a little bit too many times. And so I'm glad I have a new audience and I can get some new gigs. Um, uh, if the child wants to introduce themselves now. <laughs> yep, that's me. Hey, I'm Erin. I'm a fetus. Um, no, but I'm here as always on The Bad Batch. Super excited to talk about this episode because as Matthew and I were talking about, we're like, this feels like a ride at Disneyland. Like, this feels mm -hmm. like it's just so fantastical. Yeah. So uh, for those... I assume most people are listening soon after watching, but for those who either are listening a lot later and haven't remembered, or because you're very welcome to do this if you're not watching the show but want to listen along to just to keep up with what's going on, uh, can one of my two guests give a brief description of what happens in this episode? Quick plot synopsis. All right, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> so this episode featured the Bad Batch, the whole crew this time, um, going on a treasure hunting mission with... Um, Wanda Sykes's character Fee, um, who we learn is a pirate, and they go and investigate this ancient temple looking for the heart of the mountain inside Skara Nal. And it's a very Indiana Jones, Uncharted-esque romp through these ancient ruins. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, they have a great kind of adventure as they go along. There are parts that feel very much like straight out of an Indiana Jones movie, both Raiders and, and all three of them, really. I don't acknowledge the fourth. Um, and we're recording this before the fifth comes out. God help me. Uh, but also parts of it uh, are so much like a video game. And like, AJ, you pointed out that you're you're right now playing through Jedi Fallen Order. And I have to imagine, did you feel some real moments of like connection when you saw like these these moments in the in the show where they have to read the different symbols on the wall and thus figure out how to spin the things to get all the symbols to line up? 
So, very much so. And in fact, this whole episode feels like the game. It feels like they're tiptoeing around not saying like Zepho, because when they talk about the like the ancients that are older than the Jedi, that mm-hmm. felt very much like the Zepho. Um, the puzzles felt like the game, felt yep. like puzzles you would play inside one of their temples. Even when Scaranal like comes to life, the head of that thing, it looks looks like one of the Zepho guardians that you fight. Um, Even the little beam that it shoots out looks like one of those. So it, and couple that with the fact that we went to Bracca in the first season, which was where Jedi Fallen Order starts. It's very much giving you this like Cal Kestis win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I should say just to finish up the summary of the episode, they go on the adventure and here's again, the very kind of Indiana Indiana Jones part uh, they they find the heart of the mountain, they pull out the stone, and basically now we switch from Indiana Jones to Jurassic Park, a kind of robotic stone dinosaur thing, that dragon thing that breathes a, an energy weapon, comes out. It's going to destroy everything unless they put the heart of the stone back uh, and and escape. And then the, the ending sequences as they're all like trying to decide, like, should they still try to get the heart of the mountain or not, is straight out of Last Crusade. Um, see, you but, can see the um, content creator in me that's so used to avoiding spoilers when I talk, how I didn't <laughs> get to the ending at all, because I'm just like, oh, yeah. Yep, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, some stuff we do without spoilers, this one where uh, <laughs> the rule is that I at least, and thus I assume it for my audience, have not seen any trailers, have not, I'm not watching the previews, so anything that we have seen about episodes going forward is off the table, but... If it's in the episode, it's there. Uh, what about you, Aaron? Did you get the video game vibes as well? Yeah. I was like, I couldn't do that. Like, how are these people living through this? Like, I'm so bad at video games and puzzles. Like, when Omega, like, looked through the compass and, like, figured out that you can see, like, the glowing stones and you know which one to press and where to step. I was like, I'd be, st- if that were a video game, I'd be stuck on that level going in circles for literally three hours until I got too mad and turned it off. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just loved the different, like, just fun little things that they had to do and, like, quests, you know? Mm-hmm. I also just really appreciated that this is absolutely a filler side quest episode. And I, I think you're right that um, I know the new version of Jedi, of Jedi Fallen Order is going to be coming out fairly soon, and this may well be setting it up, especially because at the end of the episode, Fee is talking about like this next kingdom that could go explore. It may well be that that next kingdom is going to set up some plot stuff for later. But I am going to be totally fine if nothing in this episode really relates to the rest of the plot, because I... I love plot. I love overarching stories. I'm finding I kind of like for the Bad Batch especially that we're getting somewhat of an episodic television show where each episode is an adventure and there is kind of an overarching story that we're going to get back to, I'm sure. And But also we get you to see kind of day in the life of the Bad Batch and day in the life of just expanding more the the world of Star Wars. What did you all think about? Were you frustrated that it wasn't more like big plot? Did you like this kind of being episodic? What, what was your take on it? For me, I, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, oh, filler side quest episode. Here we are again. 
but I kind of liked that. And I also, what I enjoyed about this episode is there didn't seem to be like a main character or a main focus. Mm. Like, you know, two episodes ago, we had Crosshair. Last episode, we had Tech was kind of the main focus with Omega and Wrecker as supports. But this episode, it kind of felt like, I guess like Fee and Omega kind of had more lines than the rest, but I felt like we got good like fight sequences, good like action things with everybody. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that it, it one, if this is filler, sign me up. Like, yeah. give me filler all the time. I loved this style of episode. I would watch a whole show of the Bad Batch just doing treasure hunting. Um, I think that one of the problems that I have with the weekly episodic feeling for the Bad Batch is that we don't know if this episode is filler. Like, this episode could very much be filler, or it could be the catalyst for the rest of the series. If the rest of the series revolves around treasure hunting and, you know, searching these vaults for these ancient ruins, then this could be set up for that. Or it could just be a one-off filler, and we don't know until we have a little bit more of the series. Right. Yeah, it's funny. I, I get the sense you're like me. I generally don't like week by week. I prefer just getting to binge a show and really lose myself in that world. But it's funny because what I was thinking was that if this really is episodic, although now you have me questioning it, <laughs> that that is something I like for week. Like if it's going to be week to week, then yeah, let there be some plot heavy episodes and some episodes that aren't. Um, I- I've often talked about, have either of you seen this TV show Burn Notice? We're going way outside the sort of Star Wars fantasy realm, I know. A little bit of it. It, it's a very fun spy show, uh, but what I love about it is that it does very well. The first one or two episodes set up kind of the main plot of the season, and then our episode is basically having a client of the week, a case of the week, that he's doing to help pay the bills while he tries to figure out the main mystery. And so it's kind of like what some seasons of Buffy did as well, of this nice mix of the overarching story of the episode, which I think for the Bad Batch is really going to be Crosshair and and the Bad Batch reuniting or whatever way that's going to be, whether happily or violently. And then these kind of, yeah, week-to-week episodes. Because you're right, yeah, I think if we do get to next week and it's like, oh, nope, this was setting the big thing up and now we're going to that kingdom and that's – I would be like, okay, this is frustrating now. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I think The Bad Batch has done a traditionally, in my opinion, poor job of telling its audience what it's about. Like, mm. this was my big complaint with the first season. Now, I my eyes were opened by a friend of mine who is a military veteran who was like, oh, the Clone Wars is about, like, the realities of day-to-day war. The Bad Batch is about finding your place when there's no more war. What does a soldier do when the war is over? And that reconceptualized the series for me, and I love it. But it doesn't communicate very well what the plot is like i'm thinking we're leading towards like a clone uprising after that crosshair episode i feel like that's kind of the direction we're moving but you're right in the sense that if that is the direction then this then there's a lot of filler happening to get there i i definitely hear you that and i think that's where we get in the questions of like what is filler and like is filler a bad thing you know and like I, I guess it may be that I'm just projecting my hopes onto the show because I, I think what it's telling us is that is like that thing of like there's going to be an overarching story, but we're also going to get day in the life of what just what they're doing. And 
frankly, I liked the world building of just seeing more of like, yeah, that there is stuff outside of the Jedi that can be mystical and weird and interesting. Um, but you're right. it's we, We've got a lot of the show still to go and we'll see where it actually t- tells us it's going. One thing I will say about this episode is talking about it as, you know, filler and stuff. When we mentioned the Indiana Jones vibes, it also feels like a proof of concept for a Dr. Aphra TV show, which is something that I've been hammering for forever. Right. And uh, give us a – we're going to talk about Dr. Afra in the kind of bonus content that we do at the end of this episode for our Patreons. Okay. But just give a quick summary. Who is Dr. Afra for those who never heard that name before? Dr. Afra in seven words, is a hot Asian lesbian Indiana Jones in space. Okay. There you go. I like it. And she comes from the Star Wars comic books, right? Yes. She began in the Darth Vader comic books, and she was such a popular character that they spun her off into her own series. She has had two solo runs now, three solo runs, something like that. So she is a an incredibly popular character in the Star Wars comics, and she's made one short story appearance. She sounds like an icon. <laughs> She's yeah. also really good friends with Black Kersantan, who we saw in the book of Boba Fett. No. So like, yeah, her and her and um oh, what does she call him? Um her and BK, she calls him other stuff too, but they go way back. She owes him a lot of money. <clears throat> nice. Okay. I'm definitely in for that. I'm definitely in for that. Moving on a bit, what, the version I actually thought was the main character in this, which I thought was fun, since she's not technically part of the Bad Batch, was Fee. And I I really liked getting to see her character. One thing I noticed as we were focusing on her so much is that her her dreads move. Like just uh, like I don't uh, I don't have that hair myself, so I can't claim as an expertise here. But I don't think I've ever seen black hair animated that way, at least in Star Wars. You know, it just was so well done. It was. Uh, it was gorgeous. It it but it also just says so much about who her character is and and the way it moved in, a- animatedly. I was I was very impressed by that, and I, I just love everything about her character. I love her her playfulness. The fact that at the end of the mission they're once again looking at her like, well, we the Bad Batch are now zero for two for treasure hunts, and and Omega is immediately able to go, but 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 something good happened, and and she's like, yeah, see, right, like she just has that kind of she's a pirate. But but she's a Hanoa Naka pirate. She's not a Cad Bane mercenary. Uh, what what do you think of Fee as our main character, or just her 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 perception of this episode? Um, I like what you said about like the animation and her hair. I personally didn't notice that, mm-hmm. but um, that's just such a big step because like you don't think about it. But like for Twi'leks and Togrudas, they're Leku. They move. They twitch around. Like it's part of their emotions. It's part right. of how they like have conversations. And I feel like while human hair is not connected to our emotions, it is a big part of just, like, what's happening around your face and just, like, how you come off. So, yeah, that's really cool that they were able to bring that into her character. And kind of going off the Hondo stuff, I had written here, I was like, I was so convinced. Like, when Fee had the Heart of the Mountain crystal and they were like, you have to put it back. And she kind of was at the edge of this window, and she ended up tripping and falling out of it. But I really thought she was just going to, like, salute and just hop out and just kind of, like, <laughs> Hondo abandon them. Like, you guys figure it out. I got the treasure. Sorry. Yeah. But turns out she has better morals than that, so we appreciate her <laughs> for that. But <laughs> <laughs> It might be her morals. It might be that, as they pointed out, 
they might destroy the ship. That was her only way off the planet. That's uh, which would also be, a, but yeah, I I like the Hondo connection there as well. Yeah, I agree. I think I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed Fee as a character, especially when you have someone who's such a a known quantity for a lot of people, like a voice like Wanda Sykes. Um, I was worried about how that might necessarily impact the character. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I was really surprised because like she just she delivers a really authentic performance. And I do think that some of that authenticity is also in the evolution of the animation. You're right. Like, it's amazing how far we've come from those first seasons of the Clone Wars to now in terms of animation quality. It's hard for me to go back and watch those first three seasons of the Clone Wars where they have that early animation style just because of how far this has come ever since like season seven of the Clone Wars and onward. It's true. And and I specifically mentioned the, I think they're dreadlocks. I'm not positive, but that's certainly how it looks like to me in her hair. And I, I've heard black creators often talk about the frustration that, especially when it's white-led animation, they often don't get black hair right. Mm-hmm. And so this at least seemed better. Because, like you said, it, it's not, Aaron, it's it's not that they're like prehensile. It's just that she's moving. And like anyone with long hair knows, like you're moving, wind is happening or whatever, your hair is going to move a little bit sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, if if folks have, have more comments on that, please let us know in the comments. We'd love to know what you think. Yeah, and um, you're, I was just going to say, it's also a positive that um, it's it's very much in line with the direction that Lucasfilm has been going, like with Riva and Riva's hair. And mm-hmm. Moses Ingram was very, very intentional about Riva's hair because she wanted little black girls to be able to wear their hair like Riva. And so you're right that it does also show progress on that front to to give them hair that matches their character their ethnicity matches their audience oh yeah i didn't even realize that about reva and moses ingram mm-hmm. so that's that's awesome to know it, it's a fun episode there's not too much more to dive into uh aaron do you have any other things in your notes you wanted to get into yeah so um aj i don't know if you've listened to past episodes but everyone who's listened you know me i'm a clone simp um i really was excited when I think it was two episodes ago, three, I don't know, but like Fee really hit on tech and that (laughs) was so funny to me. And he was so not uncomfortable, but he just didn't understand. He just didn't get it. Yeah. And so I was kind of looking forward to like continuing that um, kind of dynamic. And we got like a little bit, she called him a few nicknames. She called him like quick shot. She called him brown eyes again, but like, it wasn't really a focus or something that they like included as an integral part of her character. And I didn't mind. I really appreciated it. Like I didn't miss that until looking back. I was like, wait a minute. I was waiting for that to happen, but that's okay. I mean, now that you mention it, that's, that's like really untrod ground that like should be the idea of like romantic entanglements for the clones, because like there is also that aspect of like they're they're aging faster than normal people. So like, what does that mean for a relationship? Like the closest we've got was like Cut Luquane and his family in Clone Wars, but like it would be kind of nice to see one of the Bad Batch have like a romantic relationship because it's something we've never seen the clones do, and it makes sense why Tech is so awkward because. 
that's not part of his programming. <laughs> like, well, um, it's not part of his programming, but also, and, and AJ, I, I, you may have been the the stud of all studs in middle school and high school. I don't know, <laughs> but I I know for myself and a lot of others, his reaction made so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a, there's a kind of the thing of like. This doesn't happen all the time. And by no means am I saying like there's any kind of one gender is worse or the other. But like nerdy boys getting hit on in a joking, making fun of them way. Uh, it, I think it happens to all genders to be sure. Middle, middle schoolers are just terrible in general. Um, but I definitely experienced that a couple of times and I, I know others have. And and But also just like what do I do? All my social programming has always told me I'm supposed to be the one being the, the aggressor, which itself is super toxic. Tech's reaction of just not – it just not clicking, I related to that so hard. Um, and, and I love what you're saying, Aaron, about it, of how in some ways he just doesn't, it just doesn't understand what's happening. And I love that Fee, like, he's, she's still doing that with him, but also that, like, I think she calls Hunter Bandana. Like, she's got these kind of cute, fun nicknames for all of them. Mm-hmm. Rutgers always big guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, AJ, like, I, I would love to see more romantic stuff with the clones. Um, it, it's kind of weird because A, they're aging more. Also, though, they're like 13 right now. They have <laughs> aged physically up to the point of being like mid-20s or in some crosshair looks like he's full, my age. Um, <laughs> but I'm not that old, but, you know, mid-40s. <laughs> but but like they were all bred like 12, 13 years ago, right? Like – so yeah, I think that there's so many great, great questions there. The There's a set of books that are now legends called the um, Republic Commandos books, which do a great job exploring this, Mm -hmm. uh, including with like a Jedi who falls in love with a clone and can sense his mind and is often like trouble that he has the mind of a a young boy in some ways, but also as a man. Um, Yeah, I'm rambling here. Someone jump in and cut me off. But I just (laughs) I I just I agree with you. I like I love that moment for tech. I love her treatment of all of them. I'd love to see, like, yeah, someone really flirting with a clone or even, like, something developing there. Yeah. I'm a big, big fan of the Republic Commando books, personally. I have been waiting, waiting to see a clone romance since I was, like, nine years old. And, like, I was watching season one of the Clone Wars, and I thought to myself, hmm. I said to my brother, I said, why do clones' butts look so nice in armor? (laughs) But, like, normal butts don't look like that in real life. And he looked at me like, you're nine. Like, what are you saying? And then, like, I just, from there on out, I've been waiting, just waiting to see a clone romance. And so when I found the Republic Commando books, and like you mentioned, you know, a Jedi and a clone, they fall in love. And there's this whole kind of back and forth of, like, he's more mature when it comes to, like, fighting and war. He knows more about leading people. But she's supposed to be the leader because she's the Jedi. And she can feel just how young he is, even though he has so much wisdom. And it becomes a thing throughout the books where it's a real concern of theirs that, like, he's aging faster. And they want to have a kid. Maybe they want to have a kid. Is the kid going to age faster? What's that going to look like, you know? And so I'd love to see that explored on screen and in canon more. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. And we might get that in this season. You know, I think that I, I, I don't want to hold that too much hope. And I will I'll say that. What you say? I'll hold the hope. All the hope. Okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll definitely see what happens. If nothing else, um, 
I am certain that the fee tech tag on AO3 is probably not like in the top 10 uh, for clone uh, uh, fanfics, but it's climbing. You know, it's going to be out there. So I think this is actually a pretty good place to wrap up. Uh, as I said, in our bonus content, we're going to get more into Dr. Afra, as well as also hearing more of AJ's thoughts on the Bad Batch so far as a whole. Uh, so if you're a patron, please stick around for that. If you're not, definitely check out patreon.com, The Ethical Panda. The link is in the show notes. It's a great way to support this podcast. Only a couple bucks a month gets you great content, gets you thanked on air. At certain levels, you get um, – to be uh, uh you get certain merch and stuff like that uh and i will say that we're going to be coming up soon with a pick my closing line contest uh voting and suggestions open to patrons only uh people who've listened to this podcast for a long time know that i've tried out different sayings at the end of these podcasts to mixed success um and uh yeah so you can vote for that but even if you don't want to be a patron uh if you want to just check in with a other podcasts we're doing or just let you know let us know what you think we love these conversations you can find us on theethicalpanda.com there you'll find our twitter web twitter facebook email tiktok we're uh instagram uh i've been dragged kicking and screaming into the modern age with instagram so we're creating content there wherever you want uh leave comments we'll bring them up in uh, episodes bring them up in conversations but of course i'm not the only one creating content both of my great guests are doing that as well aj uh why don't we start with you with people who want to find what you're doing these days where can they find you you can find me wherever better content creators are sold at Jedi underscore Starkiller on Instagram, TikTok, um, Twitch, and Twitter. But Twitter is AJ Starkiller because they're, I'm not creative enough for Twitter. Well, and let me just say um, – I know one thing gets talked about a lot in the Star Wars fandom is the toxicity and the negativity. And there's been a recent push, I think, especially after Kenobi or during Kenobi, of a lot of great content creators to really just say, like, look, let's let's focus on the positive, not in toxic ways. We can be critical of stuff. But let's let's talk to the other people who get this instead of just spending all of our time arguing with the toxic, uh, toxic nonsense. And AJ, you've been one of the real leaders of that in ways that I have – Really come to respect so much. And so I definitely, if you like that kind of thing, definitely check out AJ's TikToks because uh, they're just fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, and Aaron, what are you up to these days? Yeah. So my handle on, I'm on Instagram and TikTok right now. It's lady period tano period creates. I chose that because season seven of Clone Wars is simply the best. And that's how Maul addresses Soka. He goes, lady tano. And I just thought that was so sophisticated. Um, oh, I hadn't put that together. I love that. Mm-hmm. Everyone, like, um, after she leaves the Jedi Order, all the Jedi refer to her as Citizen Tano. It's kind of disrespectful. It's kind of rude, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They're kind of really differentiating her instead of just saying, like, Ahsoka Tano. Like, you could just say her name. But Maul takes it in the other direction of being, like, overly respectful and just Lady Tano. So, something I loved. But, um, yeah, what I'm doing... I mostly do cosplay stuff, a lot of building of Leku and figuring out what does and doesn't work. For anyone who's new, Leku is um kind of the headdress that Togrutas have, which is Ahsoka's species. Um, but lately, I've actually been learning a little bit of lightsaber stuff from one of my mutuals on TikTok. Um, I can't remember his handle, but I'll say it at some point. Um, but yeah, he has a bunch of tutorials on like, how to learn, like, the Obiani, which is, like, a really popular 
lightsaber trick. And I just learned the Makashi salute, which is what Dooku always does. You kind of, you hold the lightsaber next to you, you flick it in front of your face, hold it, and then you do it again. I always thought that looked so cool. And I can't believe I know how to do it now. So if you want to see me in my excitement of learning, um, go ahead and follow me. Yeah. Yeah, those sound awesome. I definitely need to follow that. And I'll, I'll actually ask Aaron to send me the link to that person's TikTok tutorial so we can put it in the show notes. Oh, I found uh, it. Awesome. I I was yeah, – you want to go ahead and tell us what their name is? Yeah, it's The Drip Jedi. The Drip Jedi. Yep. Awesome. D-R-I-P. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. I know that I purchased a lightsaber. I started practicing. And the fighting style that I was sort of learning from, which was looked like it's really good. It's made for like, you know – you know, lightsaber fights that people have in real life, uh, but it's not that good in a house with low ceilings. So I definitely need to uh, uh, check out some other things. Well, so definitely check out both those creators. As I said, you can check out all the things that I'm doing at theethicalpanda.com. Uh, one thing I should mention is that uh, also AJ has been on some great episodes we did about Andor, particularly around uh, the way uh, race and immigration were treated and things like that, as well as just some other awesome stuff. Check out all of that. And if you're a patron, stick around for the bonus content about Dr. Afra. And for everybody else, have a great day. Hashtag tech and fee forever. <laughs> tech and fee, and maybe one of the others forever. We get some polyamory in the bad bad. Yeah. <laughs>